while you do, please turn them to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. You keep your place there. We'll get back to it in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where our text will come from this morning. But I want to read to you from the book of Isaiah, one verse. Isaiah chapter number 1 and verse number 18. This is what the scripture tells us. Come now, this is the Lord speaking. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, we just sang the song talking about thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for you have washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, for you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. Now all of that, all of that, that we sang about this morning is so very powerful. I mean, we're we going to mess around and have church if we don't watch it. <laughs> what a sweet, sweet spirit there is in this place. So good. But all of that is so powerful because it finds its foundation in the truth of the Word of God. Now, you got to remember what was going on when Isaiah wrote this. Isaiah was writing this to a rebellious people and he was actually telling them about the judgment that was coming, that God was going to pour out upon them because they had been rebellious to him. But this is what amazes me. Even in their rebellion, even though God had done everything they needed him to do, he had provided for them every step of the way. Listen, God had gave, given the nation of Israel everything they needed, most of what they wanted, had blessed them time upon time upon time upon time in their life, over and over and over again. God was so good to them, just like he's so good to us. But even in, in that, they continually rebelled against the Lord. They continually turned their back on God. They continually walked in ways that were displeasing and disobedient to the Lord. But Isaiah, the prophet of the Lord, the Lord speaking through him, this is what he says. The Lord says, come, let's reason together. Let's talk about this. Let's sit down and work this out. He said, though your sins be like scarlet, they can be washed whiter than snow. Isn't that good? Aren't you thankful this morning that God shows mercy to rebellious people? Aren't you thankful this morning that God gives grace because we all need grace? You see, grace is God's undeserved favor toward us. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. And God also gives us mercy. Mercy is, us, is God not giving us what we do deserve. We deserve punishment. We deserve judgment. We deserve a devil's hell because all of us have rebelled against God who is holy. But the good news is God has shown us grace. God has shown us grace through the person of his son. His blood was shed so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be made whiter than snow. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 is what we'll look at this morning. Just one verse is what our text will come from. That'll be verse number 57. Now, Easter um, is a very important and powerful time of the year. I, I absolutely love our Easter celebration. And again, folks, that's what we want this to be. This is, that's what this must be, celebrating the fact 
that Jesus has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So I'll always look forward uh, to these services. Look forward to every service, but man, there's just something special about Easter services. Now, there's two things that we need to, to, to always do if we're going to get the most out of an Easter service. First of all, we've got to remember the price that was paid. Can you say amen? Listen, folks, that's what we've done in our first service. We talked about how Isaiah 53, the prophecy concerning the suffering servant, the suffering Savior that would come and do for us what we couldn't do, that he came and he bore our griefs. Can you say amen? He came and he was bruised for our iniquities. Listen, he came and he was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Listen, it was by his stripes that we truly can be healed. So we remember the great price that was paid by the Lord Jesus and we thank him for it. We praise him for it. It's always good to remember the cross. The cross should never become commonplace to you because it's at the cross the blood was shed that could wash away sin. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of the perfect Lamb of God, the shedding of the blood of the perfect Lamb of God, none of us could ever be made right with God who is holy. We remembered that this morning and we praise Jesus for it. But now listen, not only do we remember the price that is paid, but we also remember and rejoice in the victory that is achieved. That's what we're going to do right now. How many of you know Jesus was punished for my sin and for your sin. He was wounded and he was bruised and he did hang on a Roman cross. Listen, and he was buried in a tomb, but praise the Lord. Listen to me, he didn't stay there. We sang this morning about a borrowed tomb because he wasn't going to need it but three days. He just borrowed the tomb. That was just to show us and everybody else that he can and did overcome death, hell, and the grave. He borrowed the tomb. He didn't need it long. He overcame it. And so we rejoice in the victory Jesus has over sin, death, hell, and the grave. Remember and rejoice. Now, I want to read to you something that I absolutely love. I heard it said, William McKinley once was quoted as saying, In the teams of the darkest defeat, victory may be nearest. Man, that's so good. That reminds me of Easter time because how many of you know on Friday it looked like defeat? But on Sunday everything changed. On Friday it looked like the world had no hope, but on Sunday everything changed. S.M. Lockridge wrote something called It's Friday years ago. Listen to what he said. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is sleeping. Judas is betraying, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, Pilate is struggling, the council is conspiring, the crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying, they don't know Sunday's coming. It's Friday, listen, the Romans beat my Jesus. They robed him in scarlet, they crowned him with a crown of thorns, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, see Jesus walking to Calvary, his blood dripping, his body stumbling, his spirit burdened, but you see, it's only Friday, praise God, Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the world is whining and people are sinning, and listen to me now, don't, don't miss this, evil is 
is grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nail my Savior's hands to the cross. They, they, they nail his feet to the cross. And they raise him up between two thieves, two criminals. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning. The Pharisees are celebrating. But how many of you know Sunday's coming? It's Friday. He's hanging on a cross, left alone, dying and forsaken by his father. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard. A rock's rolled into place. But it's only Friday. Folks, how many of you know it was only Friday? Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Sunday is coming and I'm glad that it has came for us. I'm glad this morning. I rejoice in the fact this morning that Jesus did die for our sins. But he didn't stay dead. He overcame the grave and the Bible teaches all who trust in Jesus, all who are in Christ also has victory over the grave. It's an amazing thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 57. The Apostle Paul says it plain here. Brothers, put it on the screen for me. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe it, say amen today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you again, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you endured on Friday to fix things on Sunday. I'm thankful you paid the punishment for my sin. You died my death so that I could have your life. But, Lord, you didn't stay dead. You overcame the grave, and now I can too. I'm thankful, Lord, for who you are and for what you've done, and I'm thankful for your word. And I'm asking, Lord, to speak to me, speak through me, and use me this morning for your honor and your glory. Do your work in this place. Speak to hearts and change minds, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, To all who are in Christ, we have been given victory. What does victory look like? For those who are in Jesus. What does victory look like for those who have trusted in the finished work of Christ, been forgiven of their sin and born again into the family of God? Well, the first thing that I want you to notice is that we have victory over sin. And keep your place there in 1 Corinthians 15 and flip over with me to John chapter number 8. John chapter 8 and I want us to look at verse number 34. John chapter 8 verse 34. Jesus says something here that we all need to take note of. Listen how he puts it. He says in the 34th verse, John chapter number 8, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whosoever commits sin is the slave of sin. Let me ask you something. Is there anybody in here who's never committed a sin? Anybody in here this morning who's never told a lie? Anybody in here this morning that's always honored God in every way in your life? Anybody in here this morning who's always done exactly right at every time in your life? Anybody in here that's never had a bad thought because thoughts are enough? To make you sinful. Anybody in here, is there anybody in this place this morning that's been born of a woman? I think so. We're all here, ain't we? And we all got here because of our mama. Amen. How many of you know the Bible says every man, woman, boy, and girl that's been born into the flesh has been born into sin? Now, what do I mean by that? Well, a lot of people think I've got to do some heinous act. I mean, I've got to be an axe murderer. I've got to be a serial killer. I've got to do something really, really bad if I'm really going to need saving, if I'm really going to be a sinner. Folks, just by you being here, the Bible says you were born into sin. 
We were all born of the nature of Adam, and the Bible says, in Adam all die, for all have sinned. We came here sinners. You don't have to do one thing to be a sinner. We were sinners by nature because we were born of the seed of Adam. Adam, our papa, all the way back in the, in the Garden of Eden, he sinned, and sin became a cancer that was passed down generation to generation to generation all the way down to you and me so that we were born spiritually dead. We're all sinners by nature. We're all sinners by action. We're all sinners in attitude, if you believe it, say amen today. All have sinned. And because all have sinned, the Bible says we become servants or slaves to sin. Let's go to the next verse, verse 35. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Verse 36. Therefore, if the son makes you free, watch this now, you shall be free indeed. We're all sinners, slaves to sin itself. But I've got good news for you. The message of Easter is this, that God the Son and the Son of God came to do for men what men can't do for themselves. He came and was born perfect, lived perfect, then went to a cross and took the punishment for my sin and for yours. And the Bible says that his punishment, his payment was enough. And God says all who now trust in him by faith can be born again into the family of God and your sins can be forgiven. The sin that holds you in slavery, that slavery can now be broken and you can be set free. <laughs> I'm amazed that these people who get mad at sinners for doing what sinners do. Let me tell you something, folks. All in the world a sinner can do is what a sinner does. They commit sin. Why? Because they're slaves to it. They're slaves to it. The only way you can be set free from the stronghold of sin in your life is through a right relationship with the Son of God. That's it. That's it. Then when He does the work of forgiving your sin, when He does the supernatural work of placing you into the body of Christ, when He indwells you with His Spirit, His presence then you have the power to overcome the sin that you struggle with. Amen? How do you think it's possible that a man that has the stronghold of addiction on his life, that could not go one day without the substance that this world has to offer, all of a sudden trusts in Jesus and becomes drug-free? How is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. How is it possible that a man who had the filthiest language that you have ever heard in your life can trust in Jesus and just like that his speech change? I'll tell you how. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. How do you think it's possible that a man who had no purpose and was living to please himself and the party lifestyle, could just like that have a desire for the things of God and what God wants that completely changes. i tell you how. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. How do I know that we have victory over sin if we are in Christ? Because I was once that man. 
I was the man who was struggling with addiction. I was the man who had the filthiest mouth you've ever heard speak in your life. I was the man who had no purpose, was living to please myself and to please this world and loving it in my sin, enjoying it in my sin. But then when Jesus saved me, everything changed. He gave me peace that passes all understanding. He gave me joy unspeakable and full of glory. He set me free to live the life that he created me to live. Am I perfect? No, I'm still growing in this thing. Do I, do I, do I struggle? Absolutely. Believe me, I need God's grace daily just like all of you. I'm not where I need to be, but praise God, I'm not where I used to be. And he's still working on me. But it all started when he set me free of sin, when he forgave my sin the moment I placed my trust in him. See, a lot happens when you get saved, folks. The Bible says your sins are forgiven. You're put in Christ as opposed to being outside of Christ. Your position changes. You are positionally sanctified. You are forgiven of sin and you are put in Jesus. Amen. But now listen, sanctification is also a process. You are practically sanctified each and every day as the Lord continues to work on you. That's what he does with every believer. Through conviction, through the truth of the word of God, we learn what it means to follow Christ. Through services like this and Sunday school and small group, we learn what it means to follow Christ. But there has to be an initial redeeming. Jesus is the redeemer who buys us back from the slave master sin itself. <laughs> That's what redeem means, to buy back. We sang the song a minute ago about the heavenly father that he ransomed us through the blood of Christ. Sin required a ransom. It required the perfect, holy, righteous blood of the son of God and God the son. And when he shed his blood for us, God said that's enough. And the ransom was paid. Jesus said it is finished. And it is. Your sins have been paid for. My sins have been paid for. And listen, that can be made real to you and you can be put in Christ if you'll trust in Jesus, the one who paid for your sin debt. Amen? Now the truth is, sin is going to be paid for either way. If you choose to reject the payment that's already been made, then you'll pay for your sin. That's what hell's all about. Those who stand in rejection of Jesus, the Bible says when they die will one day go to a devil's hell to live for an eternity. The Bible describes it as the place for Satan and his angels, the place where the flame is never quenched and the worm dies not. I hear these people talking about, well, Brother Israel, do you really believe in a literal hell? Absolutely I believe in a literal hell. Let me tell you why. The same Jesus who talked to me about heaven is the same Jesus who spoke to me more about hell. Do you know that? Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. Why? Because he wanted you to know and he wanted me to know. He wanted all of us to know that there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. If we believe in a God's heaven, we must believe in a, in a devil's hell. Amen? But you don't have to go there. The price has been paid. You can be forgiven. You can be set free. You can have 
eternal life. For the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever what? Whosoever places faith in the fact that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the one who sacrificed himself and shed his own blood so that we could go free. He took my payment for my sin. He, took, he paid my payment for my sin. He took my punishment for my sin. He did yours as well. The price has been paid for sin and you can be set free in Christ. There's victory over sin. Amen? Let me give you something else. There's victory over Satan. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, brother, if you will, please put that on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, gives us a, a, an amazing truth that you need to get a hold of. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Does everybody get that? Do you know that we have an enemy? Do you know that our enemy is spiritual? Do you know that the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities? Do you know we have an adversary, an enemy that's coming against us at all times? And if he will tempt the Lord Jesus, don't you think he'll tempt us? The Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse number 10, listen to me now. Jesus said, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and life more abundant. The Satan, our enemy, the, the, the roaring lion that the Bible speaks of there, he destroys us by stealing, killing, and destroying. I'm thankful this morning because Jesus gave us victory by his finished work because we have victory in him. Not only do we have victory over sin, but we have victory over Satan. The Bible says, greater is he that's now in me than he that's in the world. <laughs> I'm thankful that even though I respect the power of Satan, I don't have to fear the power of Satan. I'm thankful that even though Satan comes against me, He's no match for my Jesus. The Bible tells us that we really have three enemies, Satan, the world, and self, the flesh. Now I want you to know something. We have victory over sin because of the finished work of Christ. We have victory over Satan because of the finished work of Christ. And number three, we have victory over self because of the finished work of Christ. Amen? Let me tell you what I've come to find out, and maybe y'all are the same way. I've come to see that 99.9% .9 of the time, I'm my own worst enemy. I am. Nobody else. Nobody else's fault. Listen, nobody else's decision. It's my fault. It's me making poor decisions. Now, you say, brother, what do you mean, self? Well, the Bible teaches that all of us were born with a sinful, fleshly nature. We've already spoke of that. That's what we got from Papa Adam. We came here with a sinful, fleshly, Adamic human nature. 
Now, the Bible also teaches that when we are born again into the family of God, we receive a new nature by the Spirit of God. That we are indwelled by God the Holy Spirit and that every believer has the person of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Isn't that good news? And again, with his presence comes the power for us to overcome sin day by day. But the truth is, many times what happens is we try to walk in the old nature, live according to the old nature, walk like the old man walks instead of walking in the spirit. The Bible speaks of that. Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter 6. And verse number three, the apostle Paul puts it like this. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. Now what the Bible is telling us is the moment we placed our faith in Jesus, we are to then reckon the old man dead being crucified with Christ. Now, if we've been planted, like the Bible says, if we've been planted together in his death, if we've buried the old man, then we, then, then we need to walk just like Jesus walked when he came out that first Easter morning in the newness of life. How do we do that? We do that by the power of God the Holy Spirit. Because we are in Christ and because Christ is in us, and the person of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome our old self. Now the problem is, what we try to do many times, even though we've been born again, even though we've got a new nature, even though God has made us new in Jesus, we try to dig the old man back up that's been buried with Christ and wear him around our neck. Amen? Think like the old man thinks and Act like the old man acts. Make decisions that the old man makes. And the truth is, our lives stink to high heaven because how many of you know death stinks? I remember years ago, I worked for the highway department and one of the things that I absolutely hate about my job, there's a lot of love about it, but this is one thing I hate about it, it's dealing with dead animals on the roadway. We have to do that a lot. And I remember, um, I guess it's been 20 years ago now, close to it, we had a dead animal, or a cow, or a bull get hit up on Highway 241 over, over around Bear Creek and Hayleville. And it got hit on a Friday evening, and it laid there from Friday to Monday. And so it's in the dead of summer, and you know what happens to a dead animal that's laid there for three days. And so we pull up that morning. We carried the backhoe out there to bury it. And when we pull up to where, where the, the animal was, you could smell it before you ever even opened the, the door of the truck. I mean, it was bad. And so we get out there and we start digging that hole. And while we're digging the hole right there behind, beside the dead bull, the guy that was on the backhoe at that time ruptured a gas line. And so then we had to call the gas company. And they came up there to where we were. 
And I felt so sorry for those guys because they had to fix the gas leak even though it was by the dead bull. And said so they'd go down in the hole and they'd work a little bit and come out and throw up a little bit. And they'd go down the hole and work a little bit and they'd come out and throw up a little bit. It's terrible. Just one of those things couldn't have been helped. It's just what happened, you know. And, and, and ever since that day, not only since that day, but especially since that day, I've begun to realize death stinks, doesn't it? Now, how many of you know, if we are to be dead, reckon ourselves dead to the old man, we don't need to dig him back up, hang him around our neck, and try to then claim the name of Jesus. Because death stinks. It stinks to high heaven. It stinks in the nostrils of God. And let me tell you something else. It stinks to the people that you are around day by day. And when you make decisions like the old man th makes and made, and, and when you think like the old man thought, and when you do the things the old man did, let me tell you something. Your life is stinking. Not just to God in heaven, but to everybody around you. Husbands, when you do that, it stinks to your wife and your kids. And wives, when you do that, it stinks to your husband and your kids. It stinks to your employees and your employer. It stinks in the church and it stinks at the ball game when we choose to dig the old man back up and hang him around our neck. Now, I'm thankful this morning because we are in Christ, we can have victory over self, over the old man, over the old nature. Praise be unto God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. How are you going to be victorious? In Jesus. In Jesus. As you abide with him, what did he promise in John 15? You will bear fruit. As you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. That's what God's after. The life of the vine being pressed out through the branch. That's what fruit's all about. But you've got to keep dying to that old man. Bury him and leave him buried. And walk in the newness of life by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. His presence is in us. We've got victory, first of all, over folks' sin. We've got victory over Satan. We've got victory over self. But the Bible did say that we've got another enemy. And that's the world. We've got victory over situations. Can you say amen? Over stuff. Because how many of you know, stuff is going to happen to all of us. You know what stuff is. I've got stuff. You've got stuff. We've got things in our life that break our hearts sometimes. Maybe physical problems, emotional problems, relational problems, financial problems. I'm talking about stuff that happens because of our doing or stuff that happens because of somebody else's doing. I'm talking about stuff we know about and stuff that takes us by surprise. I'm talking about situations that we don't understand and situations we do understand. I'm talking about stuff and situations that happen to all of us. I want you to know, just because you're a child of God, if you're a child of God today, that, that doesn't mean that we are immune from bad situations, bad stuff happening to us. Billy Graham said it like this. Christianity is not about the absence of problems, but it is about the addition of God's power to help us through whatever problem we face. Because we live in a fallen creation, because we live in a world marred by sin, we're all going to have stuff. We're all going to go through bad situations. But let me tell you this now. Let me tell you how we have victory in Christ. 
The Bible promises for his people he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Who can testify to that this morning? In good times, he's still God. And in bad times, he's still God. The Bible says that he works all things together for his good, or for our good and for his glory. Can you say me in Romans 8, 28? The Bible says that no weapon formed against me as a child of God shall prosper. The Bible says he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Philippians 4, 19. Because I'm a child of God, I can claim the promise of God. And as I claim the promise of God by the power of God, I overcome the situations and the stuff that happens in my everyday life. And that's how you do it too. You trust him. You keep walking by faith. You keep acting like God's telling the truth. Because he is. He loves you. Live for him. Be faithful. He gives us victory over sin. He gives us victory over Satan. He gives us victory over self. He gives us victory over situations, the stuff that we all face. We have victory in Christ. Let me ask you something. Are you in Christ? That's the first thing. That's the foundation. Are you in Jesus? Has there been a time when you know you've been born again in the family of God? Secondly, if you are in Christ, are you struggling with some of this stuff? Are you struggling with self? Join the crowd. Are you st struggling with your situation? Join the crowd. Sometimes I do too. Are you struggling with habits? Join the crowd. We all do. Are you struggling with disobedience? Join the crowd. We all do. Again, this is a growing process for us all. But the good news is God helps us throughout whatever we face by his grace and by his mercy. Amen? So this is your invitation. If you don't have victory, you can have it today. But victory is found in Jesus. Are you in him? If not, today's a day of salvation. If you are in him, are you walking in that victory? Are you? You can. Maybe what you need to do, child of God, is first of all get the unconfessed sin out of your life. And make a fresh commitment to serving him. To following him. If you need the Lord today, for any way, this time of invitation is for you. This is your invitation to do business with God. Amen? Everybody stand together.